Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise God. Praise God. What an honor and privilege it is to be here uh, with each and every one of you. Uh, Some beautiful weather outside. Uh, When I first came, I thought there was going to be snow. And uh, I'm from Florida, so I just we just don't believe in snow in Florida, amen. And uh, so I'm thankful that the Lord heard my cry, heard my petition. And he stopped the snow, amen. And uh, have enjoyed my time so much being here, and uh, so so kind, uh, so so much kindness here. Uh, thank you so much for the gift basket. There were some toys for my son. James Asher, he just, he's just spoiled, y'all. He's just, he's just spoiled. Uh, when I get a hotel, if me and my family goes on a vacation and I get a hotel, he looks at me crazy because he expects a gift basket in the hotel. And so, <laughs> y'all pray for me, amen. Y'all just pray for me. But uh, it's been, had a wonderful youth revival this week, getting to spend time with the young people. And uh, seeing their hunger for God and them going after God has been something incredibly special uh, that I'm privileged to be a part of. And I give honor to them and uh, your pastor, Pastor Bounds, and his wife and family. Uh, What an example they are to me and my wife and my family and their apostolic leadership, their stability, their steadfastness. It ministers not only here, not only to us, but across the movement. Can you give them a hand clap of appreciation for your shepherd? Amen. And uh, you get to learn a lot being around great men and women of God uh, like your first family here. Brother Updegrave and his wife, thank you for your kindness and helping me this week and got to team up with them in West Virginia. And uh, he already knew everybody there, so I was just staying close to him, amen. And everybody liked me because I was next to him. <laughs> I was the stranger in the district, amen. So I'm like, I'm, like, I'm with him, you know. <laughs> and uh, we had a good time, amen. Give honor to my beautiful wife, Louisa, and my son, James Asher. We get to travel together the majority of the time. Incredible strength. Uh, to our ministry and as we go across the country. Uh, why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22. Honor to this wonderful worship team, the singers and musicians did such an incredible job ushering in the presence of God. And uh, man, I'm just excited, excited to be here. And um, 1 Samuel chapter 22 verse 1. Thank you, Brother Tyler, for your help uh, help today. And uh, just so excited about what God is doing. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. If you have it, say amen. amen. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. And when his brethren, all his father's house, heard it, they went down thither to him. 
and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab and he said unto the king of Moab, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. Last scripture, and the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Herod. I draw my thought out of verse 1 where it says he escaped to the cave Adullam. And that's what I want to preach on, the glory of Adullam. The glory of Adullam. Why don't you lay your Bibles down, everyone? Close your eyes, lift up your hands. Let's ask the Lord to speak in this place. God, I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you for the hunger that I feel. Let lives be changed. Let people be touched by your anointing. I trust not in myself. I trust in you. So thankful to have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Let the treasure begin to seep out, God. Bring clarity. Give me revelation, understanding. Open up my mind. Open their hearts. Draw, transform by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Can you clap those hands a little bit louder? The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Can you open up your mouth and give a shot of triumph in this place? Praise God. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Somebody shout yes. Yes. And the glory of Adullam. David had very interesting beginnings because this was a man that God was supposed to not choose. Boy, I feel like preaching already. <laughs> uh, David's beginning is very interesting because he had the stature of a person that God would not find interesting. Uh, he had characteristics, traits, even physical measurements that did not measure up to what you would look at as to be a great king for the nation of Israel. But God, after Saul's failure, God saw Saul and God defined Saul as I want Saul when he became king, I want Saul, I want to raise up Saul to save the people of God from the hand of the Philistines. Saul's whole life and kingdom was defined by helping others and by pleasing people. But in Saul's pursuit to please people, he disobeyed the commandments of God. And so God began to look for another king and he found David 
And notice how he defines David. He says, David is a man after my own heart. I'm not looking for him to please people. I'm looking for him to please me. And that is the characteristics that I'm looking for, someone that I'm going to choose that wants to please me. They may not be perfect, but they want to please me. They may not have it all together, but they want to please me. They may have a rough upbringing, but they want to please me. They may have a few mistakes in their history, but they want to please me. They may have failed a few times in their life, but they want to please me. And that is who I'm going to raise up to do something great. Not somebody that is perfect, but somebody in the midst of everything wrong with them and their family. They desire to please me above everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God prizes himself in using people that everybody counts out. I feel like preaching in this place. Uh, that everybody gives up on, that everybody defines them by the failures of yesterday. That's who God desires to use uh, to raise up for his glory. Uh, the one that they try to say it cannot happen. Uh, the one that they say you've made too many mistakes in your past. Uh, you messed up too many times. Uh, you've been divorced. Your kids aren't right. The family is not doing well. God says they can count you out if they want to. But I am drawn to people that desire to please me in the midst of everything going wrong, in the midst of dysfunction. I'm looking for somebody that just wants to please me. That just wants to please me. I'm just looking for somebody that just wants to please me. And I know that David is being uh, rejected. Rejection uh, by man does not mean rejection by God. Can I tell you, just because you're not accepted by family or people around you, doesn't mean that God doesn't accept you. Uh, he said God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Uh, God looked at every one of us in our worst state uh, and he said, you're worst state is me, worth me dying for. God didn't look at you on the cross seeing you in church. He saw you in the pit of depression. He saw you in the pit of anxiety. He saw you with suicidal thoughts and he said that is what I'm going to die for. Can I tell you God didn't come to beat you up this morning. God didn't come to judge you this morning. God's come to reach a hand right into that pit and say, I've got a purpose and a destiny for your life. Amen, amen, amen. He, he was chosen in the midst of his brothers. In the midst of his brothers, he was chosen. And his brothers didn't like how David was chosen. They didn't like being passed over. That's not fun when the prophet comes to your house and David has seven brothers and the prophet says, well, it's not you. How would you feel? No. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Thought I was spiritual. Hallelujah. You? No. You? No. 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 All seven of them. They're like, well, if it's not me, I know he's not choosing nobody else. And they're like, uh, you got another son? Yeah, I mean, he's just watching some sheep and stuff. We're actually kind of hoping he dies or something because <laughs> yeah, 
they put they, they made sure he kept the sheep that was it was dangerous during that time we're hoping that bear and a lion comes and kills that kid he's like oh, go get him like all right there ain't nothing special about him he's weird anyway they go get David David comes with all of his dysfunction, with all of his inadequacies, and says, hey, you're the anointed of the Lord. Now, something rose up in those brothers with that. Like, well, just because he anointed don't mean he's going to be king. I mean, people just start making excuses, you know what I'm saying? Just because God chose you don't mean you're special. People start saying some contradictory stuff. Just because you got an anointing don't mean, you know, you blessed or something. They just start coming up with all types of stuff. And David's brothers had a problem with him being anointed, had a problem with him being chosen above them. As a matter of fact, after he got anointed, the king, he was looking for someone to play uh, an instrument for him to drive the demonic forces away. And the king, David, found favor in the king's eyes. And there came a time when David uh, went to the battle to go and help his brothers to go bring some food for his brothers that were in battle. It seems like David was almost too young to even even fight and so he went to serve his brothers. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 28, the Bible says in Eliab, his elder's brother heard when he spake unto the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and he said, why did you come down here and with who did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? His brother says, I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, and you're come down that you might see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David says, what have I now done? Meaning you guys are always finding something wrong with me. David and his brothers, there was a tension between him and his brothers. There was a tension, there was a jealousy. There was an envy that drove them apart. He was never really accepted by his family. He was never really accepted by his father at this time. Uh, he was the neglected of all the brothers. He was the one that was kept in the back and his brothers uh, didn't want anything to do with him. There was a tension uh, between him and the family, but there came a time uh, whenever Saul understood, he heard the song where they said Saul has slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Uh, and there was a jealousy that rose up in Saul where Saul picked up a javelin, picked up a spear and threw it at David to try to kill him. And David uh, was now on the run for his life because the most powerful man in the tribe, in the country uh, wanted David's head, wanted him to be killed. Uh, and now David is running with everything in him, uh, understanding that his life is in jeopardy. He said there's a step between me and death because the most powerful man in our nation wants to kill me and it's in that moment in the text that I read to you that David is driven. He escapes into the cave at Dulam and he escapes from the hand of the king in the cave at Dulam and the Bible says when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it. They went down into the cave with him. The brothers that hated him before the cave. 
embraced him after the cave. The brothers, they wanted to kill him before the cave. Now supported him after the cave. The cave brought brothers together. The pain brought brothers that once hated one another. But when there was a trial that rose up in a brother's life, they said, we're not going to leave you in that despair by yourself. We'll put our misunderstandings aside and we will come and embrace one another. In the name of Jesus, it's amazing when we're blessed and when we're busy. It's amazing how our hearts will be uplifted above one another. It's amazing how there can be division between one another when everything's going good in our lives. When the business is blessed, when the family is blessed, it seems like those are the moments that pride creeps in and all of a sudden there's a distance between one another but all of a sudden God knows how to get us back together there's just a trial that'll come and when that trial comes yes we used to not like one another but when I see a brother in pain it makes us come together like never before and there is a glory that is released in the pain in the despair in the trouble in the trial in the heartache in the brokenness there is an anointing that is released oh somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now hey oh Jesus hallelujah that is the glory of the cave. The brothers that didn't like him, when they saw that their brother's life was in jeopardy, when they saw that somebody wanted to kill him, it's almost like when you and family have disagreements. And then you find out a serial killer's after your family member. Come on, somebody. You say, hey, despite all our differences, I'm going to help you. Because it's not the will of God for brothers to suffer by themselves. It's not the will of God for sisters to suffer by themselves. In the cave, what became a place of reconciliation. The pain became a place of bonding. The pain became a place where they put all of their differences aside. They said, let's get this thing right. Can I tell you what God is doing with your pain right now? He's trying to get you back into relationship with that brother that you had a disagreement with. Somebody put a smile on their face right now. Y'all making me nervous. 
Can I tell you what God is doing with your pain? He is trying to bring that family back together. Because when there's no one else to help you on the outside, come on somebody, pain has a way of drawing you back together. And say, you know what? You're not going to go through this by yourself. We're going to come out of this together with an anointing. We're going to come out of this together with the power. We're going to come out of this Before the cave seemed like everybody was on eggshells. <laughs> I'm helping somebody. Everybody was on eggshells. Hey, you know, hey, don't, you know, make sure you don't brag on yourself. You might get stoned. Amen. Don't be too grateful for what God's doing in your life. You might get killed. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They're already trying to accuse you of pride. So you just, just zip it. But then there's a trial that comes into your life. And there's a trial that comes into your family. And when they see the severity of the trial, they're not looking for pride anymore. They're not looking for differences or division anymore. They're looking for a way to make things right. And David had to visit the cave of Adullam to reconcile with his brothers before he could be elevated to his kingship. There was a unique trial that David had to survive before he could embrace his kingdom. God said, I'm not going to elevate you. I'm not going to elevate your life, your family to another level until I'm able to see that you're able to reconcile in tough situations, reconcile in tough differences. Come on. That is what is happening in this church right now. God is bringing some things together. He's bringing some things together before he takes you to another level. Can you clap your hands to the Lord? I need somebody to give God praise right now where you are. Can somebody clap your hands and lift up your voice for a moment? Hallelujah. Can I tell you what's been happening in your life? There's been hell that has crept into your life. There's been a trial that has crept into your life. And now some of y'all, the only reason you're here this morning is because there's been some pain that has pushed you here. You had nowhere else to turn to in the cave. Come on, somebody. And so you knew the only thing that could help you was a brother and sister in Christ or even Jesus who is the firstborn of many brethren. Jesus is the ultimate brother. He said pain pushed you in. Come on somebody. Pain pushed you into a relationship with Jesus Christ that you If I'm helping you, can you wave a hand? Wave a hand if I'm helping you. Praise God. Oh Jesus. He said before I elevate you to the next level before I elevate this church to a whole nother dimension he said I'm going to always allow a church to visit a cave oh Jesus I know I know I'm sorry this isn't the friendship 
This isn't the friendship message, praise God. But, but I got a word from the Lord right now. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before I take you to another level, to the heights of supernatural activity, to the heights of dominion, to the heights of power, I know there's an anointing on you, David. I know there's an anointing on you, anchor. Everybody recognizes that. There's an anointing on you, but every anointing needs a cave before they enter the kingdom. Every great church has to have an anointing on it. This church has it. But every great church has to visit a cave to resolve some differences. Help me, Lord. Before we get to that supernatural height. Look where you got on the anointing. Imagine where you're going to be after this cave. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look where you got on the anointing. Imagine... Where are you going to be after this cave? Who the cave does what the anointing cannot. Help me, Holy Ghost. The cave brings together when the anointing cannot. Come on, somebody. The cave draws us together where we put our egos down. Come on now. And say, I just want to make things right right now because there's a kingdom in us that is wanting to expand but we're gonna expand together. We're not gonna expand in our clique. We're not gonna expand in our sect. We're not gonna expand in our group. We're gonna expand the kingdom together. accomplishes something in us and I feel in the spirit that God has beginning to join some hands in the spirit that have been distant for a little bit because pain has a way of bringing us together it's not about God choosing you anymore David I hate that I was overlooked, David. I hate it. I hate it. Let me tell you how I felt. I hate it that they chose you, David, instead of me. But when I see somebody in a trial of their life, I cannot just hold on to this grudge that I had when you were first anointed. I got to just come alongside you because the anointing created distance, but pain brought us back together. And I'm going to help you get through this. You're going to be everything that God said you would be. I'm for you, David. I'm for you, David. I'm for you, David. Come on, somebody. I feel the anointing of reconciliation in this place. It says, I am for you. I'm not against you, but it's pain that awoke me. Okay. 
just lift up your hands for a moment? Oh, hallelujah. Lift up your hands for a moment. And just ask the Lord to speak to you individually. God, do something right now. You are doing something in us right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I'm just... Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hmm. You see, when you get anointed, the anointing brings elevation and... I tried to dress up this word as best I can, but the Lord just won't even let me dress it up. I just got to tell you what he spoke to me. The anointing has a way of elevating, elevating, elevated. And when you get elevated, you, you kind of just get busy. You just get busy. And when you get busy, sometimes that's an easy way for there to be misunderstandings. It's an easy way for there to be some unintentional harm done. Does this make sense? And David was just going on the strength of that anointing so well. And there reached the point where his anointing could not take him higher until he first visited the cave and got reconciled. There reached a place in David's life where he had to stop being busy and endure a cave for a season because there were some relationships that needed to be mended. Now, it's easy to go on in church being busy, acting like nothing's wrong. Oh, you're good at it. Oh, you're good. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? God's been good to me. Yes, he has. God bless you. But underneath that, there's something that's been in your spirit. Come on, Holy Ghost. That you haven't acknowledged verbally. And the per person that you have something against doesn't even know you have something against them. Because you're good about that. You know how to hide it really well. Anything you need me to do for you? Oh, when you're in the Holy Ghost, it's crazy how it gets. I, I, it's it, it's a, it, it's a, it's amazing when when things are happening, powers happening, and yes, it happens here. It happens here, but there is a deeper dimension that God is taking us to, but. That's why this cave had to happen. Where it becomes more than surface. Surface relationships. Where it becomes soul relationships. The cave makes it a soul relationship. How many times has it happened? You, you, uh, <laughs> you, 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 you and somebody have a disagreement. And you know that they always pray on this side. 
Look at you, tears down your eyes. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, Lord. You know what door to come in to avoid them. Hello? Am I? Is, is this a, I think it's working. They always pray on this side. You, you're like, Lord, I, I thank you for the anointing. They're, they're right there. Look, I thank you for the anointing, God. I thank you, Jesus. You need you. They, they come walk by you. You scared they're going to pray for you. Uh-uh, you ain't praying for me. You get on your knees. Lord, bless me, Lord, bless me. And yes, you have an anointing. But the next dimension is being reconciled. It's being reconciled. It's being reconciled among one another. But the, the cave is what makes that happen. And we will stay in the cave as long as it's needed until things get right. Are you hearing me right now? Amen. That's the glory of Adulam, it's the place of reconciliation. Even not only reconciliation for for in the present, but reconciliation over past wounds, because the Bible says that his father and his mother came to meet him in that cave. Help me, Holy Ghost. And him and his dad, whatever differences they had, they made it right. And not only did they make it right, but the Bible says he brought him to the king of Moab. Ruth, Ruth was Jesse's grandmother who was a Moabite. And so the cave brought reconciliation between Jesse and Ruth's family. Oh, Lord. So now you see the cave is reconciling generational differences. Where hate is passed down. Come on, Holy Ghost. Where you won't let your kids be friends with their kids. Come on, Holy Ghost. Where you won't let your grandkids play with their grandkids. Come on, Holy Ghost. But when the cave, when pain happens, you put all the grudges aside and you say, we got to get a hold of God together because there is a greater glory and a greater anointing. Am I helping somebody? Can you clap your hands to the Lord right now? I'm going to drop this. The cave. The Bible says that a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. Ooh, help me. Friends, you find out who your friends are when pain happens. Right? Like, man, I thought we were friends. <laughs> I'm your friend, but I'm scared to become your brother. Because the bridge from a friend to a brother is adversity. Come on, somebody. Your friend says, I love you, but I ain't getting in that cave. 
but when a friend steps into the cave with you, that's a brother right there. That's a brother right there. Ooh, help me, Holy Ghost. Hey, in the Old Testament, God was a friend to Abraham. In the Old Testament, God was a friend to Abraham. But it's not until he left eternity and came into time that he became a brother. When God became flesh, that's when he became a brother. When God stepped into my hell, that's when he became a brother. When God stepped into my mess, when he got touched with the feelings of my infirmities, that's when God became a brother. I needed more than a friend from the heavenlies. I need a brother down in the midst of my hell of adversity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God says, I'm your friend right now, but I got to go to the cross to become a brother. Come on, Holy Ghost. I got to go to a tomb to become your brother. I know you know that I love you, but I've been loving you from a distance because I never cried before I'm in heaven. I never wept before I'm in heaven. I never felt depression before I'm in heaven. I never felt anxiety before I'm in heaven. So I will humble myself in the flesh. I will come and be born of the Virgin Mary. I will come down and dwell among you for 33 years and I will weep how you weep and I will feel anxiety how you feel anxiety and I will feel fear how you feel fear. Come on somebody. I will feel pain how you feel pain and in that moment that's when I become arch and thankful that Jesus left everything in the heavens and he came down for a time so he may be born for adversity. Hallelujah. I'm going to share this and I'm going to wrap this up. Somebody shout yes. yes. I guess I didn't know it was Friendship Sunday. I guess this is kind of a friendship message. Well, there you go. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Help me, Lord. One of the most misquoted scriptures is Romans 8.28 where it says, We know all things work together for the good to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. We like to quote that wrong. We like to say all things work together for my good. All things work together for our good. We just kind of slipped that in, you know. All things work together. It doesn't say that. It says all things work together for good. Well, here's my question. Whose definition of good is this? Because you and I, we have different definitions of what the word good means based on our background. Now, uh, for example, if, if you were a homeless person for your whole life and someone comes and blesses you with a shed about this big you're going to look at this shed and say man God's good but if you've been living in a mansion your whole life and you lose everything 
because somebody comes and blesses you with the same shed, you're going to look at this shed and be like, this is a curse. You see, you and I have different definitions of what the word good means based on our background, based on our circumstances. So this is not our definition of good. This is God's definition of good. All things work together for good. The Greek word is agathos, which literally means intrinsically good. It's what happens on the inside that makes the trial good. So the success of a trial is not the outcome. It's what you become in the trial that makes it successful. So even if I lose everything, God used it to make me more like him. Now I'm more loving. Come on, somebody. Now I'm more tenderhearted. Come on now. Now I love people more. Come on. Because of my adversity has conformed me into the image of Jesus Christ. Everybody stand with me. Can you stand and clap your hands one more time? Oh. Praise God. Praise God. That's what Micah 1.15 says. It called Adullam the glory of Israel. It said Adullam is the glory of Israel. It's the glory of Israel. It's the place of reconciliation. It's the place where God puts things together. It's the place where God turns things upside down. It's the place where old, old strife, old, old, old tendencies, old grudges, it's the place where we put it aside and we come together and we bond and we be what God has called us to be. And David was, became king after the cave. Because it was in that place where he needed that character of reconciliation to be imparted to him like never before so he can survive the success of his kingship. Can I tell you, God has taken this church to a whole nother level. But if you notice, over the past six months to a year, every time you feel a wave of anointing, it's like you step into a cave. So a wave of anointing, then a cave. A wave of anointing, then a cave. The cave equalizes you. The cave balances you out. Come on, Holy Ghost. Where you don't ascend so much, listen, that, the, that, you, that you forget your brothers and sisters. The cave says, let's, get, let's make this right. Let's make this right. Let's make this right. And when we make it right, the glory of God who is God speaking into your spirit right now to make things right with? Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Who is God speaking into your spirit right now to just make things right? I know you're anointed. I know you're chosen. I know you're being used. So you don't see the need. But that's when pain comes to remind us that we need to make this right. It's only right. Adulam 
literally means justice for the people. Amends for the people. Just doing what's right for the people. That's what the cave is for, is just to make things right amongst us. I want everyone from the front to the back, I want you to come forward. We're going to have a time of prayer before we leave. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.